0: But today, we're, we're going to ask another question. And I think it's probably the most important question uh, that we're going to ask in this series. In fact, I think it might even be the most important question in, in the world. And the reason I say that is because of this. According to, to the Gallup polls, 81% of Americans believe in a God. Um, they may not act like it, but there is, a, there is at least uh, studies that show that they believe in some sort of God. Uh, 84% of the, world's popu- of the world's population believes in a God. And so if nearly 85% of the world population has some sort of belief in God, then maybe the most important question in, for the world's population is, how do we connect with God? How do, how do we as people connect with God? And, and one of the hang-ups that many people have about Christianity is, is uh, this idea that Christians have at least most Christians have anyway, is that Jesus is the only way to God. Um, that you've, you've probably heard that before. If, if you're a Christian, if you've been a Christian very long at all, you've heard Jesus is the only way to God. And one of the biggest hang-ups that, that people in our society seem to have, at least with Christianity, is Jesus' claim to be the only way to God. And so that's the question we're going to discuss today. We're going to answer, is Jesus the only way to God? And I think it's a great question, and it's a great question for people to ask. And honestly, we should be honest with ourselves because there have been points in in our lives, at least in my life, where I have struggled with that question. Is Jesus the only way to God? I know in my own faith I've struggled with that. Maybe you have struggled with that question as well. Maybe you've struggled with how to answer that question if you've been asked that question. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to hit that question head on because I think this is the question that causes a lot of people just to get stuck in their faith. And so here's the plan for today. We're going to look at a couple different passages of Scripture. But primarily, we're going to look at a passage in John chapter 14. And so if you've got a Bible or there's one in the pew in front of you, go ahead and grab your Bible and flip over to John 14. Because that's where we're going to spend the bulk of our time. And the context for this passage of Scripture is is that Jesus is at the, at the tail end of his life. In fact, it's the last night of his life. He's, he's getting ready to die. He's, he's about to be arrested. And he tells his disciples, this, said, hey, I'm going to be arrested here in just a little bit. I'm going to be arrested and, and I'm going to die. And so then he says this in John chapter 14 with, with the context of, hey, I'm, I'm getting ready to be arrested. I'm getting ready to die. And then he says to his disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled. I'm going to die, but don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, Would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go prepare a place for you, I will come back and I will take you to be with me so that you may also be where I am. Now, living on this side of of history, living on this side of these events, uh, we pick up that Jesus is talking about heaven here. Jesus says, my Father's house has many rooms, and when I die, I'm going to go to heaven, and I'm I'm going to prepare a place for, for, for people, because I want every person on earth to be with me in heaven. But the disciples, who are on the other side of history, they're not getting this at all. In fact, they don't have any idea what Jesus is talking about. And so what Jesus says next completely confuses them. He says, you know the way to the place where I'm going. You know the place where I'm going. And, and he says, you know that. You, you know where I'm going. And they're thinking, you, where are you going? We don't know how to get where you're going. We don't even know where you're going. Because they still had not, they had still not gotten this idea that Jesus was not coming to be an earthly king. In their minds, that's what Jesus is here to do. He's here to, to out, overrun Rome, to, to, to overtake the Roman Empire. And he's going to be uh, an earthly king that's going to restore the greatness of, of the kingdom of Israel. That's what they're thinking he's going to do. They had not really realized yet that Jesus was really God's son who had come to die for them, to offer them forgiveness, so that when he sits at the right hand of God, he he can offer forgiveness and he can reconcile them to God. They don't get this. They still think he's here on earth to be a king, an earthly king. And that should be very encouraging for, for a lot of us. Because these guys were with Jesus every day for three solid years. Every day they're with Jesus and they they still got confused and they still had questions. And if you get confused about some of the things in your faith and you still have questions about faith, here's what I want you to know, that God wants you to bring your questions to Him. He wants you to ask those questions. And so the disciples are confused, and one of them finally raises their hand and is like, Hey, Jesus, we got no idea what you're talking about. Can, can you help us out here a little bit? It's, it's Thomas that actually does this, and we call him Doubting Thomas because Thomas always had all kinds of questions. And, and so Doubting Thomas pipes up in the very next verse, and he says in verse 5, He says, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And what Jesus says next You just have to let the weight of what he says in this next verse kind of sink in. They said, we don't know the way, Jesus. And Jesus says this to them. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one, no one, no one comes to the Father except through me. Please understand what Jesus doesn't say here. He doesn't say, I am a way. He doesn't say, I am one of the ways. He said, I am the way. Peter would later on repeat those words in his own words in Acts chapter 4 when he would say there is, there is salvation. In other words, there is reconciliation with God. He says, salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given by, to mankind by which we must be saved. No other name. Now, if you've ever wondered if Jesus is the only way just hear it from, him, from himself. Hear it from, from his mouth, his words. This, this isn't for me. So if, if this makes you uncomfortable, if you think, I don't like what he's saying here, take it up with Jesus. This isn't me, okay? Jesus said, I am the only way. And the problem with many of us, it, for, for a lot of people, and maybe even in this room, is, is that we don't doubt that Jesus existed. We don't doubt that he lived on earth. We don't doubt that he had some good moral things to say. But many people struggle with Jesus being the only way. They want to know, is that really true? Or, or is what Oprah says true? You know, Oprah's uh, propagated some, some thoughts that have permeated in our culture. And she said, you know how you can picture God? That God is, is, is at the center of a, of a really big wheel. He's at the center of that wheel. And this wheel has all sorts of spokes that, that come off of that wheel. And all of those spokes are, are different religions and different thoughts. And they all lead back to, to, to the same God. And maybe that's true. Maybe that's true, but please hear me when I say this. Jesus said that's absolutely not true. He said there is only one way. And the problem is many of us struggle with that. And so for the next couple of minutes, I want to talk about this idea because we know today what we know today is that we live in a world that values uh, one of the highest ideas, ideals in our world is, is, is pluralistic thinking and, and tolerance. Those are, those are things that our culture value. And when we hear something like this, when we hear Jesus say, I am the only way. Can I just throw it on the, on the table for us? We hear that and we think, Jesus' claim to be the only way seems exclusive. And it seems intolerant. And it seems unfair. And so I want to hit each of these, these three things uh, head on and have us think deeply about this. And let's just start right at the top. Jesus' claim to, to, it seems exclusive, right? I mean, when we hear, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through me. We think that's a pretty exclusive uh, claim. I love what J. Herbert Kane says, he says, it's safe to say that the most offensive aspect of the 20th century Christianity is its exclusiveness. You ever thought that? You ever thought that, hey, this is a, an exclusive claim? Well, if you have, that's okay, but I want to challenge your thinking and say that maybe you've been misinformed about the exclusivity of Christianity. The truth is, and I would, I would argue this, is that Christianity is the least complicated and the most inclusive of any religion that, that is in existence. It's the most inclusive. And, and I hate calling Christianity a religion, but, but for lack of a better word, that's what we're going to call it. But, but I want you to know that, that it, Christianity is unbelievably inclusive. And, and you don't have to take my word for it. You can, you can look this up for yourself. You can do a little study on your own. But if you look at any of the major religions, any other major religion uh, today, I don't care what it is, Islam, Buddhism, uh, Judaism, Mormonism, e- even atheism, every single one of them make exclusive claims. Every single one. I'll give you an example. Islam's first pillar uh, of their, of their uh, uh, tenets is that there is one God, his name is Allah, and his prophet is Muhammad. And if you don't believe that, or if you don't agree with that, well then you're wrong. It's that simple. That's what they believe. That's an exclusive claim, isn't it? Even atheism makes exclusive claims. They they claim that there is no God. That's an exclusive claim. Uh, And you're smart enough to understand that that's an exclusive claim. Even agnostics make an exclusive claim when they say that nobody can understand God. Nobody can know God. That's an exclusive claim. Now... I I think this about you all. I think you're rational and you're logical and you're smart. So think about this in in just rational and logical terms. You know that there cannot be, it just logically, rationally cannot be, there cannot be multiple exclusive claims that all contradict each other that are all true, right? It just can't be possible, right? That that can't be possible. You can't have multiple exclusive claims that that contradict each other that are true. It, It just doesn't work that way. It's kind of like the little girl who went to her mom and asked her mom, said, hey, where do, where do human beings come from? And the, the mom looked at her little daughter and said, well, it's, it's real easy. God created Adam and Eve, and Adam and Eve had kids, and that's how we got humans, and, and that's how the population came into existence. Well, the little girl was satisfied with that answer, and the next day she's still a little curious, so she goes to her dad and she says, hey, dad, where do humans come from? And her dad said, well, it's really simple. There, there was a big bang, and, and through the evolutionary processes, there, there became monkeys and apes, and we evolved from, from monkeys and apes, and that's how we became humans. Well, now the little girl's all confused, and, and so she goes back to her mom, and she says, Mom, how is it possible? How is it possible that, that you told me that we came from God, and Dad told me that we came from monkeys? And Mom just looked at the little girl with a smile and a grin and said, well, you know, Dad was just explaining how his side of the family came into existence. Now, we might laugh at that a little but but here's the thing. is You can't have multiple exclusive truths that claim to, that they're all true. You just can't. So what is true? What is true? You have to determine what's true. And listen, when you decide what is true, it's one of the most important decisions that you'll ever make because your eternity is determined by what you decide is true. There might be nothing more important. You have to decide, and, and there can't be multiple truths. It's kind of like mathematics. I hate to do math in church. I was real good at math in, in high school. In fact, that's one of the reasons I went to Bible college. We didn't have to take a math class. But, but if I were to ask you, what is 4,400 divided by 88? What is 4,400 divided by 88? Some of you are like, well, let me get my phone real quick and do, use a calculator. Well, if you do that, you'll, you'll know that the answer is always, always 50. It's always 50 if you came to me and you were like well I think the answer is 48 or I think the answer is 52 well I would be like well it's not it's 50 but but you know you can show your work show me how you got this and you remember in grade school when you had to do long division I wasn't very good at that and so so you you could show your work and occasionally you might have all of the the right steps but but maybe you miscalculated it somewhere and you you got a wrong answer and it's possible it's possible that you can Get the wrong answer, but some people still be closer to to the truth, right? You know, if forty eight and fifty two, those are a lot closer than say twenty, right? It's closer. You can still you can still be have the wrong answer, but be closer to the truth. And please hear this when I say this: Christianity Christianity does not claim that every other aspect of of every other religion or worldview is is, is wrong. Christianity doesn't make that claim that, that, that everything about every other group is wrong. In fact, Christianity would say there's some great moral teaching in other worldviews and thoughts. What Christianity claims is that there is only one way to be reconciled, to be made right with God, and it is through that person, the person of Jesus Christ. That's the claim of Christianity. Not that that everybody else doesn't have good moral teachings or moral uh, thoughts or whatever, but that the only way to be made right with God is through the Son of God, through the person of Jesus, Him and Him alone. Is that exclusive? Well, maybe. But I want to show you how I think it's the most inclusive offer of any religion in the world. If you go study any other religion, you'll find this. You'll find that every other religion is defined by one word the foundation of the relig- of that religion is the word do do you, ha- you have to do something you, you have to earn your way to god go ahead and study it for yourself hinduism mormonism scientology you, you have to earn and do good things and hope that you've done a- enough good things that when you get to the end of your life that god will let you into heaven the problem is how would you ever know how would you ever know if you did enough good? Because, because they all differ in what they tell you you should do. They don't, none of them tell you to do the same thing. They all have different things about what they tell you. So how do you know if you've ever done enough good? I mean, can you imagine? Does, does God just grate on the curve at the end of your life? I mean, you, just, you you on a sliding curve or on a sliding scale, and maybe you just beat everybody else out, and, and you're good? Could you imagine the last day of your life and it's 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 kind of like 50/50 and you you have one little spat with your with your sister or your brother or your mom or dad and it's like God's like sorry you ruined it last day you just you just ruined it all right there. The idea of you being good enough to be reconciled with God is so counter to everything about who God is. Listen, we have a perfect God and only perfect people get to be in his presence. None of us are perfect. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. So how could we how could we ever do enough good to be reconciled with god how would you ever know would be like if you're if you're a salesman and your boss comes to you and says hey uh, i'm going to fire you if you don't if you don't hit your sales quota by the end of the year and first question would be okay well what's my quota your boss says well i'm not going to tell you what your sales quota is you you just go get to get to work doing a lot of good stuff and we'll see how it works out now would you ever go to would you ever go to sleep at night with any sort of peace would your head hit, ever hit the pillow with, with any kind of peace? No, not at all. It doesn't work that way. Christianity is a thousand percent. I'm telling you, a thousand percent different. The foundation of everything that the Bible teaches is, is one word. And that one word is this. It's not do. It's done. You don't do enough to get God, to, to get to God. God's already done it. And he's just asking you to accept it. In other words, God has already paid the price for you to be connected to Him, and it's free. It's free. It's open to anyone. Listen to what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2. In verses 8 and 9, he says, For it's by grace that's unmerited favor. Grace is not what we earned. It's, it's, it's just something that's given to us. He says, For it's by grace that you have been saved through faith, not works, through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. And Paul says again, Not by works, not works, ever. It's never by works. It's never by how much good you can do. It's always by grace. Why? So that no one can boast. No one can look at and, and no one can say, hey, look at me. I, I'm, I'm, I'm good enough to get into heaven. I did all of these things now. Now look how great I am. No, 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 no. None of us are good enough. Look, I know, I, I know as the, the pastor, I'm supposed to be kind of the, the standard bearer for morality and, and good works, right? I, I get that. But look, I'm telling you, if I'm dependent on my good works, I'm toast. I'm toast. I'm done. And you are too. Look, all of us have to, have to fall at the foot of the cross and rely on the grace of Jesus and, and rely on the love and the forgiveness of God who, who already gave us His Son, Jesus. And listen, that's open to anyone. You don't have to do anything. It's already done. You see how inclusive that is? It's unbelievably inclusive. Imagine two, two country clubs open up in your neighborhood right next to each other. And one of them posts a sign out front and it lists all the rules and the requirements that, that you have to have for membership. And, and you look at that list and it's a long list and you go, yeah, it's going to take me a year and a half to do all of these things to be a member of that. And, and the, the other club, they post a sign out front and it says, everyone's welcome. Anyone, male and female, white, black, uh, sinner, saint, rich, poor, cat lovers, dog lovers, we'll take them all. Anybody is welcome. Which one would you say is more Exclusive. The first one, right? It's easy. And and that's the same with all the other religions. It's all the things that you do. There is one religion, only one. It's Christianity that says it's done. So listen, Christianity, its inclusivity is unmatched. Christianity's inclusivity is unmatched because it's an offer of salvation that is open to anyone, anywhere, anytime. And it's free of charge. Free. Which means you don't have to do anything. Simply accept someone. Someone. That being the person of Jesus. Is it exclusive? Maybe. But I think it's unbelievably inclusive. Let's look at the second issue that people have. The people say that it seems that, that Jesus' claim to be the way, the truth, and the life That, that it seems intolerant. That, that, that claim just seems very intolerant. And, and, and let's be honest, we live in a culture that values tolerance maybe above everything else. When we lived in Glasgow, we lived in a subdivision that was that was only four streets in, in the shape of a rectangle, and there was only one entrance and one exit to to that subdivision. If you were coming to my house, if you were going to come visit me at my house in Glasgow, you would have to turn on to Simmental Lane. It, you would. In fact, I can assure you that if you did not, you would not get to my house. You just wouldn't. Now, if you were going to come to my house when I lived in Glasgow, would it be intolerant of me for for me to tell you that there, there's only one way to get to my house? Would you complain and be like, no, 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 give me another way. I want another way, right? No. To tell, you, to tell you the one way to get to my house would be the most kind and loving thing that I could do. Because to tell you any other way would just cause you to drive around lost and you'd never get there. Look, God wants you home. Hear me on this. God wants you home. And some of you have been lost for so long and God is telling you the way home. And, and Him telling you the way home, the only way home, is not intolerant. It's the most kind and loving thing that He could ever do. In fact, I, I would tell you that you might want to reorient your thinking uh, about the way that you think about God. Instead of questioning God about, hey God, why did you only give me one way? Maybe we ought to be crazy thankful that God even provided a way. Let's be thankful that God provided a way for us to be reconciled with a holy and righteous God. Because none of us are holy. None of us are righteous. And so God sent His his Son Jesus to bridge that gap for us. That if we'd rely on on Him, that we could be forgiven of our sins. That we we could be uh, reconciled to Him. And that was all free of charge. He already paid the price. He already did what had to be done. God did the most loving act in human history. Giving up His Son. His only Son for me, for you, for us, when we didn't even come close to deserving it. So what I tell you today is this, is that Jesus being the only way to God is only intolerant if it's not true. It's only intolerant if it's not true. If it's true, it's the most loving and kind thing that God has ever done to tell you the way. Picture for a moment, you've you got a, you got a child and a, a doctor comes to you and tells you that your child is has a heart defect and, and that your child's going to die. They said, we discovered it and, and we need to operate on it immediately. And the doctor tells you that there's only one solution to, to your child being healed. In that moment, would you push back on that doctor and tell him that he was intolerant? Hey, into, you're, you're so intolerant. Come on, man. Give me a break. Uh, let's do something else. Like, hey, there's got to be uh, other options. Let's just get some Vicks vapor Rub and, and, and rub that on his heart. Let's see if that fixes it. Or, or let's get some vitamin C and see if that fixes it. Would you push back on that doctor and say, say it's only one way. Really? No, you wouldn't, would you? Because you love your son or your daughter and you see them be, and you want to see them be healed. Listen, God loves you and I so much that He just wants us to be healed. And, and all of us have this heart condition called sin. And the only way to deal with that sin issue is through the forgiveness offer of God's only Son, Jesus. That's not intolerant, that's loving. It's not intolerant at all. Let's talk about the third thing that Jesus' Jesus's claim seems to, to be. People say it seems to be unfair. And I think this is the one that gets people the most. Because many people think that it's just crazy unfair because uh, what about all the other people who've who've never heard about Jesus? I mean, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you have ever thought about that? And maybe asked yourself that question. What about all the people who have never heard about Jesus? Well, to answer that question, you need to know three things about God. Number one, God is good. He's always good. Number two, he is loving. He is always loving. And number three, he will open himself to be known by every person on planet Earth, regardless if they have a Bible, regardless if they've ever even heard the name of Jesus. God is seeking after every person. Let me show you a couple of verses that, that demonstrate this. 2 Peter 3, 9. He says, the Lord is not slow in keeping His promises. Some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you. And for some of us, He's been patient a very long time. He says, He's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. In Acts chapter 17, Paul is, is talking to a group of non-believers. He's talking to a bunch of philosophers in Athens. And, and, in, and he says this, he said, God did this. Did, did what? He, God revealed Himself. So that they, meaning everyone, all of us, would seek Him, And perhaps reach out for Him and find Him, though He is not far from any of us. Don't miss that last part, that He's not far from any of us. God is not far from anyone, no matter who they are or where they're at on earth. You remember playing hide-and-seek as kids? How many of you played hide-and-seek as kids? I really thought there would be more of you than that. Yeah, they're still hiding. Remember when you were playing hide-and-seek and maybe you found a really good spot and you were just crouched down, and you, were, you, you just were in the perfect spot. And, and that person that was the, the seeker, they walked right by you. And like you could, you could almost reach out and touch them, right? It, that is God to every person. God doesn't hide himself from anyone, ever. God is seeking every person so that they can know who he is and that they can be reconciled to him. Listen, listen to the words of Jesus if you don't believe me about this. It, in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, He says, For the Son of Man came to what? Say it with me. Came to seek and save the lost. He came to seek every person on earth. And you need to know that every person who is open to understanding who God is, they will find Him. Let me, let me show you this. Romans chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. It's a great passage of Scripture. Paul writes, since what may be known about God is plain to them, that, that is everyone, because God made it plain to them. And how did he do that? For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and his divine nature have been clearly seen. God is not hiding from anyone. He wants everyone to see who he is. He, he is seeking everyone. He says, since they have been clearly seen, being understood what has been made so that people are without excuse. What's this verse saying? It's saying that creation, that if, if humanity would just look at creation, you would see that there's a creator. You, you cannot look at our planet and, and not see that there is a creator. It's obvious. But I get people sometimes don't, don't think that way or, or people want to argue that, that point. So let's forget about that for a moment. Think about just your own conscience. Your own conscience tells you that something is wrong. You know, forget, forget God's standards. Forget, forget about God's standards in this. You have your own standards and, and you fail to live up to them oftentimes. You keep falling short of your own standards. And your own conscience tells you that something is wrong and that you need a solution. So any person, any person who will open their eyes to God will find God. And the ways, the miraculous and mysterious ways that God might choose to reveal Himself to people is just incredible. There are thousands of, Thousands of documented cases in Muslim countries where there there are no Christians who can share the gospel with with them. And they are coming to Christ in droves. How? Through dreams and visions. God wants to reveal himself to every person. In in a study of 600 Muslims who converted to Christianity, it was found that 25% 25 of these Muslims converted to Christianity because they had a dream about Jesus and they didn't even know who Jesus was. God is seeking everyone all the time. And I get sometimes in our Western way of thinking, we live in America, we think everybody has access to everything, and and we just get so comfortable with that. We forget sometimes just how big God is and what God is capable of. But let me give you another couple of examples. In Scripture, one from Scripture, in in Acts chapter 10, we read about a man named Cornelius. And in Acts 10, Peter, the Apostle Peter, he has a dream. And in this dream, he's told to go to the house of Cornelius and tell Cornelius about about the gospel, tell him about Jesus. And so when Peter gets up from his dream, what's he do? He goes to the house of Cornelius, and everybody in his house was saved. Let me tell you another quick story about a friend of mine who's a missionary in the South Pacific. I have a friend in, in the South Pacific Islands named Chris, and Chris was uh, walking through uh, the island one day, and he, he meets a man named Ibrahim. Now, Chris didn't speak the language of, of that island. There's a lot of different islands right there, and they all have their own little dialects and different languages. And Chris was on this particular island this day, and he didn't speak the language of, of that island. And this man who he met named Ibrahim didn't speak English. But, but they were trying to communicate with each other as, as brokenly as possible. And Ibrahim climbed up uh, a, a coconut tree. And he got some coconuts down for, for Chris's children. And Chris was just moved by that, by the, by the generosity of this guy. And so they're trying to talk, and through their broken conversation, it's kind of discovered that Ibrahim has a, has a child that is sick. And so Chris makes a, makes a little sign like this, that just kind of trying to let him know that he's going to pray for his child. Four years go by, and they have not seen each other. They've, they've not met, seen each other again. And Ibrahim, in that four years, has learned English. And he finds Chris one day in the market on this island. And he walks up to him and he says, hey, do you remember me? And Chris kind of looks at him like, no, sorry, I don't. And Ibrahim and begins to tell Chris about their experience that he, that he remembered. And suddenly it kind of comes back to Chris. He's like, okay, yeah, yeah, actually, I do remember you. I prayed for your son. How is he? And Ibrahim's like, well, my son is good. But here's the problem. I've been having this dream. I've been having this dream. And your family is in this dream. And in this dream, your, your family's standing in this garden. And it's the most beautiful garden I've ever seen. And I can't get into it. I walk, and there's, a, there's something blocking me from getting into this garden. I keep getting shut out. And every time when I wake up from this dream, I keep having this dream every night. And when I wake up, I, I'm devastated. I'm heartbroken. I'm, I'm sad. I'm depressed. What does this dream mean? And Chris is thinking, they don't teach Bible interpre- or dream interpretation in Bible college. So he kind of stands there for a minute, and he finally says, well, well, what do you think it means, Ibrahim? And Abraham says, I think that garden is heaven and you know how to get there and I don't so I need you to tell me how to get to heaven. Chris told his Ibrahim fa- about heaven and how to get there. And Abraham and his family were saved. God is seeking people all the time. God is seeking you God is seeking after all of us. And I want you to know that look, I get it, we struggle with this. That that, um, that there's a vast world out there, and how can everybody possibly know about Jesus? How could everybody possibly know about God? But God is seeking those who are open to finding him. God does not want one single person to perish. Not one. But if you struggle with that, if you struggle with this idea, well, well, what about those who don't know? I just want to talk to you for a second. And I, I know I'm about done, but I, I, I want to talk to you about about that about people who don't know because you know. You know. There's not a single person in this room here today that if you were to die today would have any excuse that that you could shake your fist at God and say, well, I I didn't know about Jesus. Because you just heard about Him. And what I want you to know is that God is seeking you. He's drawing some of you to Him right now. You're not here by accident. God has been seeking you. He's been patient. And it's time. It's, It's time. What do we need to know today? Listen to the words of Jesus. Not my words. The words of Jesus. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's not exclusive. It's, an inclusive, it's as inclusive of an invitation that has ever been offered. It's free for anyone. You don't do anything, you accept someone. It's not intolerant, it's loving. It's loving that God gave up his son for you and for me and that he told us about it. And it's not unfair. God is seeking everyone at all times across the world. I want to wrap up uh, just by talking to, to three groups of people. And you'll find yourself in one of these three groups. If you're strong in your faith, that's the first group. If, if you're strong in your faith today, and, I, and I, I'm hoping that that's most of us in this room. Hopefully today's message strengthens your faith. It, it gives you more confidence. It inspires you because God is seeking people, but he uses us. He is seeking people, but he uses us to get the message of Jesus out there. And I think one of the most burning questions we ought to ask every weekend when we come to church is, who are we bringing with us? God is seeking people, but he uses us. So who are we bringing with us? Who are we bringing next week? Who are we bringing the week after that? Start thinking about those people now. Because if you don't think about them now, you won't think about them on Saturday. If you don't think about them now, you won't think about them this week when, 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 when you feel the pressing of the Holy Spirit to start talking to somebody about your faith. Start thinking about them now. Start praying for them now. Maybe you don't know who it is. Just start praying, God, would you put somebody in my life who needs to know about Jesus so I could tell them and bring them with you? The next group is, is those of you who might be stuck in your faith. And my hope is just that today that you're reminded, you are simply reminded of how much God loves you through the gift of, your son, of His Son, Jesus that you're able to, to get back on track, that you're able to get back in the game, that you're able to get off the sidelines and, and take your next step in your faith, to get more consistent in, in, in your faith. And then the last group would be uh, the group that if you're here today and you would know who you are, that you've never made a decision to go all in with Jesus. You, you've been on the sidelines, and maybe you've been on the sidelines just because you have big questions about God and, and, and you just haven't been sure. Maybe today's the day. Maybe today's the day that you could go all in because maybe today's the day that God is drawing you to Him, that He's calling you to Him. To put your faith in Him, to be baptized into Christ, to accept Christ's free offer of, of forgiveness, of salvation, to be reconciled with God. And you know, and when it comes to hide and seek, you remember the goal of, of hide and seek? The goal wasn't ever to stay hidden forever, right? If that were the case, I'd still be, I'd still be in my mom's dryer. It, it, the goal was never to be hidden forever. The whole time. What do you do when you're the last one? You're the last one that hadn't been found? What, what would you do? You start going, woo-hoo, woo-hoo. you start making some noise, right? Because you want it to be found. Some of you, you need to hear this today. It's time to quit hiding. It's time to quit hiding. God is seeking you. He's seeking you. But the question for all of us today is Jesus the only way to God? Is Jesus the only way to God? And the answer is a resounding yes. He is the only way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through Him. I am so thankful that God has provided a way to be reconciled to Him. Let me pray for us.